0: Well, good morning. Good to worship with you today. If you're new or visiting here for the first time, let me say welcome. My name is Fred. I'm one of the pastors and I'll be preaching today and uh, glad to have you here. I do have a few announcements. If you want to get ready in the scriptures, we're going to be in uh, Revelation chapter 22 today. Uh, it's the very last chapter of the Bible, so it's one of the easiest ones to find. But uh, before we get to that, just uh, let me draw your attention to a couple of things. One, you may have noticed this week we made some changes to the parking lot, and that is because uh, for the second time this year, we've needed to create more space for people to come in and park, which is a great problem to have. Uh, nonetheless, a problem, and it was one that we uh, kind of went back and forth and round and round on for a long time. Hated to uh, give up probably the only nice looking part of the front of our building, <laughs> uh, which was that nice round circle of grass, but we really needed the, the parking space and there just aren't other places to get it. And so uh, we, we do hope to get some lines painted, although they won't be permanent because it's on gravel, uh, to sort of clarify the, the changes that have been made out there. But we've expanded our parking capacity to about 120 cars, which is great. Um, considering uh, we were at probably 80 at the beginning of this year before we made changes to the back and now to the front of the property. So I uh, just want to say thank you for your patience. Thank you for um, just navigating this journey of growth with us and and showing a lot of grace to one another. Uh, but it should be getting better very soon. And then uh, we'll get through the winter decide what we want to do in terms of uh, permanency of, of that lot and everything. We've got a lot of other growth related things to consider here. And so um, this is this is a nice temporary solution though to get us, especially through Christmas, uh, which is coming up in a couple of weeks when we expect to have even more um, vehicles here probably than we've ever had. And so speaking of that Christmas Eve services... Uh, because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday morning, or on a Sunday, sorry, we're, we're gonna have Sunday morning services. We're not going to have a Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve. But uh, our Sunday morning services at our regular times of nine and 11 will be our Christmas Eve service. And by that, I mean, uh, traditionally on Christmas Eve, we do candlelight worship, we do a Christmas message, of course. Uh, all of that will take place on Sunday morning. And then we've added a third service, which will be on Saturday night, Uh, It's 6 p.m. So three services, Christmas weekend, Saturday night at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at the regular times, all three identical services, same message, same worship, uh, just added a third service to accommodate uh, guests that tend to come out for Christmas Eve. And so come to any of those that, that work for you, but please invite somebody, please uh, bring somebody with you. This is one of, one of the times of year when people are most receptive to an invitation to join you uh, for church. And so I uh, would love to have you bring somebody with you. Speaking of Christmas next Sunday is, are you ready for this, Christmas Sweater Sunday. And so if you have a Christmas sweater that you just love to show off, next Sunday is your day. And so December 17th, if you wanna wear a Christmas-themed sweater, it doesn't necessarily have to be ugly. It can be, uh, but it, it does need to be appropriate. I'm familiar with Christmas sweater or ugly sweater culture a little bit, so it doesn't need to be appropriate, but feel free to bust out those Christmas sweaters next Sunday, have some fun with that. When we did Christmas in July, we did Hawaiian uh, Christmas-themed shirts. That was a lot of fun. So if you wanna participate next Sunday... And then Christmas Eve, you dress however you want, but people do tend to dress up here on Christmas Eve, uh, myself included. We'll have a nice little photo station out there for Christmas Eve weekend if you want to dress up and get some nice family pictures. Uh, Today, after the second service, we don't have a great way of doing this. For those of you who tend to come to the nine o'clock service, because we just we don't have the space and a a, a good time slot to do this, but today after second service, we're doing lunch with the leaders. And if this is for those who are relatively new to Redemption Church, if you just like to get to know more about the church, more about the leaders, uh, we're going to have the leaders of various ministries here today after the second service, have a little bit of lunch together, introduce ourselves to you, try to answer any questions you might have as you seek to get plugged in here at Redemption. So you are uh, all invited to that if you want to come back. I apologize that it's not more convenient for those who come to the early service. Um, Then lastly, this year we did uh, Read Through the Bible in a Year, the 365 Bible Reading Plan, and many of you have, have kept up with that and have tracked with us. Many of you have attempted but struggled to keep up. And let me just remind you, that's good. It's, it's, it's better to struggle to, to keep up with that Bible reading plan than to not attempt at all. And so if you've, don't beat yourself up. Give yourself a lot of love and a lot of grace if you made any attempt whatsoever at reading through the Bible this year. Uh, but that's coming to an end. We're in the, the home stretch here. I think I, I just did 1 Corinthians yesterday. And I've just got a handful of New Testament books left. Obviously, I've read through Revelation. So when we get to that one, I'm kind of like, boom, done there. So that's good. Uh, Next year, though, we're gonna do things a little bit differently. Next year, we're gonna read just through the New Testament as a church. Now, I encourage you to do any kind of Bible reading plan you wanna do. But as a church, we're gonna encourage you to, to commit to reading through the New Testament, which is 260 chapters. That sounds like a lot, but... If you're familiar with the Bible, they're small chapters. They're not long chapters. Um, That's one chapter a day, five days a week for the whole year, for 52 weeks. And so it's just one chapter a day, five days a week. But here's what we want to do is if this year the goal was familiarity with the scriptures, in other words, let's read through the whole Bible. Let's at least have an idea of what's in here and get the big picture. Uh, Next year, it's going to be about going deep and studying the scriptures. It's going to be about slowing down. I encouraged you again and again this year, don't slow down. This isn't scripture memory, this isn't studying the Bible in depthly. It's just reading through the Bible. So next year we we want to we want to grow in the skill of studying the Bible and slowing down. And so we're going to provide some tools for you to do that. One of them is uh, we put together a little journal that, in the front cover, has some tips on how to go a little bit deeper into the Word, and then uh, also going to have some um, bookmarks with the Bible reading plan so you can stay on track just like we did this year. And those are going to be available. I think we'll have those out next week. It looks like. Uh, so when you see those. Um, out out there. If you want to participate in that, I encourage you to grab one of those. Uh, We're asking for a donation of $10 just to cover the cost. They're nice journals. You'll see them. Um, If you cannot afford that, no sweat. Just take one. We want you to have one. But if you're able to to cover the cost of your journal, please make a donation to cover that. And that will start on uh, the first week of January. And so get those, get ready, make sure uh, that you are prepared as we get into the new year to get into the scriptures with us. All right, if you have questions about that, uh, feel free to ask, and we'll also be putting some resources online to help you, uh, just like we did with the 365 Bible reading plan. Told you I had a lot of announcements, so that's it, though. We're gonna get into the scriptures together. Let's look at Revelation chapter 22. We're gonna look at the final words of the entire Bible today. I'm gonna start in chapter 22. I'm gonna start in verse 6. I'm gonna read through the end of the chapter. After we've read, uh, I'll pray and we'll jump into the message. Verse six, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Verse 10 says Then he said to me, Don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Look, I'm coming soon. and My reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the bride say, come, Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone, amen. Would you pray with me as we consider these words of scripture together? Father in heaven, we set out at the beginning of the study of this book of Revelation to approach your word humbly, to come in the humility that is necessary and appropriate for studying such mysterious and wonderful things as we have seen here in this book. As we conclude this study today, I pray that we would do another thing we set out to do, which is to practically apply the words of this book to our lives to prepare the earth for your return, to prepare ourselves for eternity, to build your church, to grow in confidence in our conquering King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today would you cement those things in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. May we forever be more confident in who you are. May we be ever more committed to to living out the life that you have called us to live, and may we prepare this earth for the reign of King Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. I want to apply now what we've learned very practically. That's my goal. Revelation is full of mysterious things difficult things i i began uh, began this series by laying out some of the difficulties i said here there's actually four main four major ways of viewing the book of revelation and they all lead you to somewhat different conclusions about a, a lot of a lot of the imagery of revelation and and then i frustrated some of you by not telling you which one of those four ways was the right way and that's because i don't know <laughs> that's because they they've all got some merits and in fact that has led some commentators to just say they're all good let's use them all when appropriate that's one of the challenges you i wanted you to feel the same level of frustration that i felt in studying this book which is when i opened up several different commentaries of those who have who have who are qualified to comment on the meaning of this book through years and decades of study, all said different things. (laughs) It's unique in that way. The Bible's not generally like that. The Bible is generally, it has a level of clarity in its message that most Bible-believing, Jesus-loving scholars and followers of Jesus can agree upon. Revelation stands out in its difficulty in this way. However, have we not seen many great and clear truths in this book? Have you not profited from the reading and the study of this book in ways that we ought to be eternally grateful for? I know I have. This word has been a timely word in my own life. This word, I think, has been a timely word in the life of our church This this book has been fruitful. It has been good for us to be here. But today, we bring that to conclusion. And I wanna give you some practical things that you can lay hold of as we we seek to apply this book to our lives. They're gonna be relatively generic. Uh, They're not gonna be super, super specific. They'll be broad in nature. Uh, But I have several of them here. I never number my points. How many do I have? Three, six. Seven, I have seven points here. And uh, I wanna encourage you, if you have the handout, go ahead and turn over to the back. You should see an outline that you can fill in some blanks. Let's do that together now. The first blank you'll see on, this, on, on the handout for this message is obey faithfully. How do we apply this book of Revelation to our own lives? First and foremost, we want to obey faithfully. I'm thinking of verses six and seven, where he says, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And he says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed, in other words, blessed is the one who obeys faithfully. We saw in the beginning of the book that John said there was actually blessing in just hearing the words of this book, but now he wants to make clear that the, the, the greatest blessing is reserved for those who actually obey, those who keep the words of this prophecy, those who take the word to heart and say, how, how should I live? How, how, should, how should my life reflect the revelation of Jesus Christ found here in the final book of God's written word. And he says, the one who does that will be blessed. Now, consider who it is that blesses this obedience. Because to us, blessed is, is, it's sort of a bland word, wouldn't you agree? It's it's, hey, how you do, man, I'm blessed, you know, or, or God bless you, we throw that around. God, God bless you is, like, one of the greatest things that can happen to you, and we throw it around when somebody sneezes, which is fine, I'm not against that or anything, but, but, but when it comes to understanding the words of this prophecy and the words of this book, that God would bless you faithfully obeying the words of this book is no small thing. to be blessed by God ought to be the greatest aim of our lives. to be blessed by the one who, who has infinite riches, the one who has the power to give eternal life, the one who, who from whom Proceeds joy indescribable. To be blessed by this one, to be blessed by God is no small thing. How do we attain God's blessing? Well, one, one way is we faithfully obey the words of Scripture. To take revelation and, and to treat it merely as a way of understanding what's going to happen in these end times or a way of um, attaining secret knowledge or something like that is, is kind of an offense. Revelation is so much more than that. Revelation is part of God's instructions on how we are to live, how we are to faithfully obey him. And so I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, as we, Complete this book. Don't take obedience lightly. Let's take the words of this book and plead with God that we might live faithful lives in light of these words. That we might go back over and read through Revelation again. We might maybe take a look at some of the notes that we jotted down throughout this sermon series and say, has has there been a clear has, has, has there been a, a clear and discernible growth in my obedience to God as I've studied through this book? Can I look back and, and can I point to, before we began this study, I did this, but now I do this in, res, in a response of obedience. If so, John says, you'd be blessed. Blessed by God. So let's obey faithfully. Another way we should respond to the words of this book, the second thing you see on the handout is that we have to worship accurately. I, I just wanna warn you here, you've already picked up on this if you're looking at the handouts. Um, the, the command, you know, the, each point's gonna contain a verb something we should do, but they felt a little empty by themselves. So I started down this road of adding uh, adverbs here. And so you'll see kind of my my foolish commitment to each one of these commands to have an adverb with us. Uh, I'm not willing to die on any of those hills. Um, I just tried to stick with the pattern that I sort of got into as I was writing this sermon. But this one's significant, this one's important. We don't want to just worship, we want to worship accurately. The reason for this is, is in part demonstrated here in verse eight, where John says, I, John, this is the writer of this book. He's the one who received this revelation. Remember, John was one of the disciples who walked with Christ during his earthly ministry. And he was one of the apostles who was commanded to take the gospel into the world after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And John had been punished for this gospel, and he had, been, he had been cast out onto an island, the Isle of Patmos, which is in the Mediterranean Sea, and that's where he received this revelation. And he says in verse eight, "'I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. "'When I heard and saw them, "'I fell, I fell down to worship at the feet "'of the angel who had shown them to me, "'but he said to me, don't do that.'" I am a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets and those who keep the words of this book. And the, and the angel says to him, worship God. Now, that's a lesson that, it, this is not a new lesson that John is learning. It's not as though John had just walked around worshiping anything that had impressed him. You gotta remember, John is caught up in this, hyper spiritual experience of receiving this revelation and oftentimes there, there are voices and messages coming from different directions, and we see here in, in the final chapter, one of, one of the tricky things about interpreting this chapter is it's not clear who the speaker is in some of these words. And so, John is kind of in this whirlwind of revelation and in this whirlwind of experiencing these amazing things, and it's, it's possible that, that he just lost track of who was speaking to him. And, and, and mis- mistakenly began to, to worship in the wrong direction. And the angel corrects him. And we too ought to make it our aim, our goal, to worship not just generically, but to worship accurately. In other words, what I, what I mean by this we, is we want to know intimately the God whom we worship and why we worship him. Words matter. What we say in worship matters. It's important. We're not just, we're not just throwing up generic phrases of worship and saying things. If worship music, when done right, and it's not always done right, but when it's done right, is thoughtfully plotted out. The theology, in other words, of the songs that we sing, matters. It's one of the things I've always appreciated about this church. When when Pastor Greg was in charge of worship, uh, we knew we could depend on him to bring to us theologically accurate worship music, and, and then India comes along and she's, she's taken that baton. She's, she's taken up that, that responsibility really well, and she spends a lot of time making sure that the songs that we sing and the words that come out of our mouths as we worship are, are, are accurately ascribing to God the worship that he deserves. And we live in a world where that's not the norm where, well, I, I don't know how much has changed. You know, sometimes people say, so when we get into this debate over what's good worship and all that, sometimes people say, oh, the old hymns, the old hymns, man, they really got it right on theology. Yeah, some of them did. Some of them are theologically rich. Some of them are so theologically poor, it's embarrassing. It's not the, the, the style of music that is ordained, it is, it is the commitment to worshiping accurately. We see the same thing with contemporary worship music. Some of the newer contemporary worship music that's been written over the past couple of decades or past couple of generations is just theologically spot on. A lot of it's theologically garbage. This is bad, some of it's bad. Some of it says wrong things about God. And so we have, to, we have to commit ourselves to thinking through these things. We have to commit ourselves to worshiping God accurately, to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. There will come a day when those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. Sometimes we emphasize one over the other. Well, we want to do both. We want our worship to be spiritually rich and theologically accurate. This is is the problem of of Revelation 22, verses eight and nine. John's worship needed to be tweaked. He's offering worship in the wrong direction and the angel simply says, don't worship me, worship God. Not only should we obey faithfully, we need to worship God accurately. Make it your aim. Let's make it our aim, Redemption Church. Let's make it our aim to worship God well. Not just with vibrance and energy, though yes, but with theological accuracy and and, and songs that are enriched and informed by scripture and the good news of the gospel. And when, when India stood up here and said, I just keep thinking about this song when I think about Revelation, and then we sang this beautiful song uh, about the glory of the gospel that we cannot earn our own salvation, that Jesus has done it for us and gifted it to us. That's what we're talking about. I'm worship accurately. Thirdly, Next thing you'll see on the handout, we ought to live urgently. We want to obey faithfully. We want to worship God accurately. And if there is, if there's only one thing you get from the book of Revelation, it probably ought to be that we ought to live urgently. The the confusion of of the timeline of human history that just doesn't get resolved in the book of Revelation. There's all of these things and then that happened and next this happened and it seems like we're talking about things that sometimes don't even happen in the order. You're like, what it, what's the timeline here? Like, give me a chart. And so many people try to do that. So many people chart out, well, this is when this happened and this is when that happened. This is when that's gonna happen. And, and, and yet Revelation does, just does not allow that to happen. Revelation just takes time and puts it in a blender and then it just spews all of this stuff on us. And I think part of that's the point. We're not going to know. We're not going to know Here's the thing. When it comes to the fulfillment of some of the events in Revelation and the return of Jesus to the earth to establish his eternal kingdom and all that kind of stuff, we're it's not like we're gonna get some warning, okay, ten years, five years. We're down to two years. We're down to one year, we're down to one month, one week, one day, one hour. And then you go, oh, okay, well, then I better get ready. We, that, the, the point is not to allow you some, some, some comfortable idea of when these things are gonna happen because life doesn't work that way. Even if you knew the exact hour at which Jesus was going to return to the earth, you have no idea the moment of your departure from this earth, do you? One of the frustrating things about life in this realm is that it could end suddenly at any moment. And we do good not to live in fear of that. I mean, you can't walk around paralyzed by that thought. But it's one of the realities that's sort of hard to accept. And and when the reality of that hits us in the face and someone whom we love who's near to us leaves unexpectedly, it's one of the most difficult things we ever have to deal with. And that's life. What more important message in light of that is there than we ought to live urgently? Not frantically, not in a panic, but with urgency, with a deliberate commitment to the idea that we just don't know how much time we have. It could be decades, it could be seconds. Jesus might return 5,000 years from now, and Jesus might return before this sermon ends. I might live to be 110, I might, be, I might not make it to 43. I don't know, and you don't know. So what do we do? We live urge, with urgency. We live on purpose. We, we live with this relentless resolve to make our lives count while we still can." This is, It comes from verses 10 and 11. Then he said to me, "Don't seal up the words of this prophecy, the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. This is one of the wildest passages. Well, never mind. This is not one of the wildest passages of this book. This book's got some wild passages, right? But this is a wild passage. The the angel says to John, John's writing this down. He's writing it down on a scroll. And in 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 the Old Testament, when when God was was speaking and revealing things that were to come, he told the prophet, "Seal up this scroll. put this message away. In other words, this is, this is, uh, God is revealing things that, that that aren't happening right now. And then we come to John's revelation, <coughs> excuse me, and, and the angel tells him, don't seal it up. The time is now. It's happening right now. Now, that's weird because it was 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and if, if in our minds we're thinking what is happening right now is Jesus is physically returning to the earth, then that just leads to confusion, right? And, and the angel doesn't even bother to clarify that. The angel doesn't even bother to, to, to make clear what he's saying. But something's happening right now, 2,000 years ago. Something in this book of prophecy was, was already ready to take place and perhaps has been taking place for the last 2,000 years. And this, this, the, the urgency comes through in this, I, I guess you call it a command in verse 11, let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy still be filthy. You don't expect to read that in the Bible. Isn't the Bible about the unrighteous repenting? Isn't the Bible about those who are doing the wrong things to turn and do, start doing the right things? Yes, it is. And don't take this to mean, excuse me, <coughs> that if you're, if you're sinning, go on sinning. The angel's speaking to the time is already here. The time is already taking place. And we wanna figure out how, we wanna go back to our timeline and say, well, what's already taking place? Well, let me just, let me say what we know for sure. What's already taking place is your finite life. What's already taking place is your limited opportunity to live for God in the life that he has given you. That's already taking place. Some of it's already passed and you can't go back. What, you, what, what is happening right now is you are experiencing, you know, that, that hourglass, you know, that's such a haunting image, isn't it? Especially when you apply it to life, but you take an hourglass, you turn over, the sand starts going through and you know, like when it gets to the end of that, that's it, it's done. And when you think of that as life, man, we ought to live urgently. We, we ought to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. I don't care if you hate your job. I don't care if you hate your wife. I don't care if you hate your kids. I don't care if you hate your dog. And stop listening to country music if that's the case because it's getting into your head. I don't care what is going wrong in your life. You ought to get up with some Urgency. You ought to, I remember a couple of years ago when we were in the the transition of moving to Lower Borough and to plant redemption and you know, you're know, you having all these thoughts. Like I had a pretty good thing going from an earthly perspective. Well, I mean, from a spiritual perspective too. I had a good thing, stable position at another church and my family was well. And it was funny because we when, when we went through the process of planting, um, the timing of that was like Kim and I had a lot of conversations about what God was calling us to do. And it was like, this is going pretty well. This is going, you know, like our marriage is rock solid. Our finances are as good as they're gonna be. Our kids are in a good place. And like, we're like, it's time. And then you start planting and you get into this I think I think a lot of it's spiritual battle, but some of it's just transition, whether it's a, a, a spiritual battle or not. And you're like, well, that's not you know, doing so well anymore, and this is kind of a problem right now, and everything starts to break, and and you're just kind of holding on at some point. But one of the things that really propelled me personally through that was the Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter twelve. There's this section in chapter twelve where it keeps saying before, 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 and it's in reference to life is inevitably heading in this direction where opportunities disappear. And it's kind of, you know, if, you, if you've not read Ecclesiastes, it'll, it'll stun you a little bit, but it's powerful. It's powerful in the sense that, you know, reality is you're getting older and you won't always be able to do everything that you can do now. Now, there's graces and growing older and there's beauty and growing older and all that kind of stuff. But there's, there's opportunities that disappear. And that really propelled me. It was like, man, now is the time. Now is the time. This, we, we need to live urgently. And I need to preach these next four points urgently because it's almost 10 o'clock. <laughs> so let me try to pick up the pace here. Uh. I may, have to, I may not get to all of these and that's okay. I'll give them all to you before we leave. Uh, okay, so the next one is prepare wisely. Obey faithfully, worship accurately, live urgently, prepare wisely. Verse 12 says, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Okay, when you hear blessed are those, pay attention, you wanna be blessed. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is coming, and he's going to reward according to work. Isn't that a little bit surprising? Because we, in one sense, the gospel levels the playing field in that, We are rewarded not according to our merit, as we sung earlier. We are rewarded according to the merit of Jesus. The gospel is a gospel of grace that we do not earn our salvation. And at the same time, the Bible often speaks of rewards which are tied to gospel work. And somehow both are simultaneously true. Everyone who's saved in the gospel is going to be eternally grateful and rejoice in the gospel. The thief on the cross who did no gospel work. And what, let me I better make sure we all understand that, that uh, reference. The thief on the cross is one of the guys who was crucified next to Jesus. And there was two guys crucified next to him. One of, him was, one of them was mocking and ridicule, ridiculing Jesus. The other guy expressed faith in why Jesus was dying. And Jesus looked at him and he said, "'Today you'll be with me in paradise.'" And that is the supreme example of the gospel of grace. This man did nothing to earn his salvation. He received it by grace through faith in the Son of God, crucified in his place, okay? That guy's gonna have a great eternity. But somehow there are rewards for those who labor faithfully. Somehow Jesus is going to repay each person According to his, I got sick in the middle of this week, and it's starting to catch back up to me, as you can tell. Um, It's probably just God's way of telling me to stop talking. And we ought to prepare wisely. And what I mean by that is, we ought to make our lives and whatever limited time we have here on earth count at the return of Jesus so that we receive these rewards, whatever they are, and so that we are grateful for the opportunities we had to live for him on the earth. Three more, invite relentlessly. This one can be very quick. Both the spirit and the bride say come. Let anyone who hears say come. Come. I thought, when I read this, I thought that this was the spirit and the bride saying to Jesus, come. And then I read it again. And it's not, it's not an invitation for Jesus to come because it says, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the, it's, take the water of life freely. It's an invitation for sinners to come to Jesus for salvation. The spirit and the bride the bride is the church, the spirit is the spirit, are saying, come. This is our mission on the earth. To put it in the most simple terms possible, what are we supposed to be doing as Christians? We're supposed to be saying, come. We're supposed to be inviting relentlessly. And let the one who is thirsty come. Our world is full of thirsty people. Let the one who desires to take the water of life freely Brothers and sisters, do not relent in inviting. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep keep loving on the people around you who have not yet responded to the gospel. Keep inviting them to church or whatever it is that you're doing to try to connect them to the gospel. Invite relentlessly. Next, defend reverently. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book if anyone adds to them, don't worry, that happens all the time. When you're using the Bible app, sometimes it wants to read to you. It happens to me all the time too. Um, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. Not only do our words matter in worship, but the words of the Bible matter. And we ought to defend the message of, of the bible with reverence for his word. I'll leave it at that for time's sake. Finally receive receive joyfully. What is what is the application of the book of Revelation? If the message is that Jesus is coming, then one of our primary responses ought to be to receive him. There are many people who don't want Jesus to return to the earth. Christians should not be among them. We ought to joyfully receive the return of our king. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And John says, amen. Come Lord Jesus. Don't get, if you, I don't live every moment. God has redeemed so much of what is broken on this earth that it, it can be quite enjoyable at times. Most of the time, I love my life. Most of the time, I don't want this, this life to end. And I'm not saying we shouldn't feel that way, but there ought to be a greater longing for those of us who have Christ, who have received his gift of salvation. There ought to be a greater longing in us that, that supersedes our longing for the finite pleasures of this earth to, to welcome the return of Jesus, to, to usher in his eternal kingdom we ought to cry out with John, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Not only do we have the task of saying to the world, come to Jesus, but we have the task of saying to the Lord Jesus, come and establish your kingdom here on earth. Come and and usher us into the eternity for which you have been preparing your bride. Come and restore this creation to the plan that you had before it was formed. Come, Lord Jesus. If your heart does not cry out for Jesus' return, I want to invite you in 2024 to journey with me into the scriptures because that's where our minds are renewed, our hearts are transformed to study the word of God and to see that what God has planned for his people is far greater than anything you're experiencing now. The joys of this earth when they are present still pale in comparison with the joys of eternity with Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, as we humbly come to the end of this book, this powerful testimony of your sovereign rule over your creation, though we still have many questions, may the things that have been clear be forever etched in our minds and in our hearts in a way that we are compelled to obey faithfully. And in a way that ultimately we live lives that are ready to receive joyfully. We welcome not only your physical reign over the new creation that we've read about in this book, but we welcome now your spiritual reign over our hearts and minds and over our lives. We pray that your reign would manifest itself in our thoughts and in our actions and our deeds, that your reign would manifest itself in our church and how we worship you and how we love each other, how we serve our community. We pray that your reign would manifest itself in the way we impact and influence the communities that we live in, and until that day, in which your total and complete reign is established on the on the new the new earth, may we commit ourselves wholly to obeying and following you. Lord Jesus, reign and rule in your people. And when the time is right, come, Lord Jesus. Father, if there's anybody here today who's not prepared themselves wisely, first and foremost, those who have not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have not placed their faith and trust in the gospel, which is the message, the good news, the announcement of good news that Jesus Christ died in our place on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven and live eternally reunited with our God and our creator. And that we receive this gift by placing our faith in him, believing he did that on our behalf and making him the Lord of our lives. If there's anybody who hasn't done that today but yet desires now, God, would you come into their heart, come into their life, cause them to be born again, cause them to be made new and to be our brother brother or sister in Christ. But also, many of us who have already done that have not prepared wisely in that we have not oriented our lives around the gospel. We have not oriented our lives. We're still living as though, other, other than a hope that one day we'll be in heaven, we're still living as though the gospel has not happened. We're still living just like everybody else, and God, I pray that we would, we would prepare wisely we would orient our lives, our thoughts, our actions, our everything, our investment of time, our investment of our finances, our investment of our energy and of our health into the kingdom of God. And in that way, I pray that you would come, Lord Jesus, into our lives. We love you, we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen.